You're listening to Blind Guy Talks Tech, your daily accessible tech podcast. Now, here's that blind guy himself, Stephen Scott. Hey guys, welcome along, and Sean Priest is here. Hey Sean, how are you? Hey Stephen, I'm very well, thank you. Uh, my microphone's still goosed. Do you want to hear how good my microphone sounds? My yes, really please. fancy microphone. Do you want to hear? Yes. This is what it sounds like. How does that sound? Is that okay? I, actually, I prefer it. Is that is that good? <laughs> Sorry. Hello. <laughs> my talking to little Stephen. <laughs> Where are you? Where have you gone? It just doesn't work. I don't know what's going on. I've broken it clearly. And that's your posh posh microphone, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a lot of rubbish. So what are you using right now? Here's my headset. Here's my oh, you sound gorgeous. Don't worry about it. You sound lovely. You sound like Terry Wogan's back. Ha! Old tell. Oh, well done. That's very good, that, uh, that impression. You That's do like that impression. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's cool. You keep bringing it up. It's, it's kind of weird. Um, so, <laughs> you all right? You feeling all right? I'm feeling good. Yes. I'm. <sighs> do you know what? August already. It, it's, it's crazy. Where did this year go? I'm hurtling towards the grave, Stephen Scott. I'm having a bit of a moment. Sorry. Oh, well, do you know, I thought that yesterday. I was kind of feeling there was something not right. So, you know, come mm. on, t- tell tell your friends. We, we're here just, for you. Uh, I mean, I just, the, the days are going past so quickly now, Stephen. I, I'm seeing my the end to my, my, my life and I, I don't like it. Wow. <laughs> As always, we're off to a flyer. <laughs> you said share. I just wanted to see how far I could push it. It's normally me that's suggesting the entire planet gets wiped out, and today it's just you. I no, think it's that's great. particularly Life... selfish, if I'm honest. Sorry about that. Life is great. It's just a, <laughs> wow, another year gone. It just every every time it just blows my mind because you know I I always do the what time is sunset today, Lady A, and it's just I can see it creeping back, and I just know at like three or four a.m. here in the UK it's going to be pitch black again. Yeah, I know. And, uh, I know. Ah, tea time. I hate that. I hate that. I love having these. Anyway, sorry. No, everything's fine. Thank you, Stephen. How are you? Uh, well, better than you, clearly. <laughs> uh, no, I feel fine. Thanks. Um, yeah, feeling all right. I'm not going to go any further than that. All right, let's Cause, leave it. Because if I go any further than that, I'll feel like I'm showing off. Yes, okay. And I don't cool. want to die, it would appear. Um, <sighs> right, well, shall we go through some emails? This will cheer you up. I know you love Thank emails. You. Uh, Always so, do. Andy writes in uh, following our, if you remember our email we got last week from Tracy, well, not last week, actually, the week before, uh, from Tracy in Tasmania, who was talking about dating online oh, yes. and yes, the challenges yes, yes. she was having. Well, um, hi, blind guys, says Andy. I'm responding to two points made by Tracy from Tasmania. It was a real joy for me to hear another blind person express my experience of visual imagination because I've always felt a bit alone on this one, and my attempts to explain it to other people always leaves me feeling like they just don't get it. Like Tracy, I also see shades of colour when I touch things. Materials and textures suggest tones of colouring, and even if somebody tells me the actual colour, it doesn't change in my mind, which is, that means it's what I feel is, is what I essentially see. This also happens to me with a voice. I hear a voice, and I decide the size and shape of that person, and even what they're wearing. Even when my imaginings are wrong, they're not easy to change when given the correct information. Now, I've had to own up to being rather voicist. If I don't like the voice of somebody, I have to be careful not to be negative about them as a person. I, you know, sorry, just to break in on this, Andy, I, I get that to some degree. I mean, it's, I, I suppose we all have a bit of that when it comes to talking books. If you hear a, if you if you really like the synopsis of a book, yes. and then you hear the voice reading it, you think, oh, that's a horrible voice. 
then you just can't listen. I can't listen to a book like that. Yeah, it's true. Um, but yeah, so anyway, uh, Andy says, I also, I went totally blind as well at 16 um, and still consider myself a very visual person with a very visual imagination. I think visually about things. My world is not dark unless I'm going through a bit of depression and then it can be. For example, if I go somewhere new, say somebody's home, and I'm not given the chance to explore, my mind will create the room, bringing it to life from what I can sense, but also from what my mind feels might reasonably be found in, say, a sitting room. Apparently, according to an optician I spoke to about this, if we have seen and then gone blind, our visual cortex feels confused by the void, so attempts to fill it in with something it thinks might be appropriate for the situation. Well, that that is very true. I mean, that's been said for a long time. People losing vision will tend to have images, you know, the brain fills in the gaps and, you know, you don't really know how bad it's gotten until, you know, the the bus becomes, in my case, the the double-decker became a single-decker way too quickly for my liking (laughs) and certainly for the passengers on the bus, I'd imagine. (laughs) Um, But, you know, just that change, when, when somebody tells you what it is and then you go, hang on, what? What, what, where did that come from? <laughs> yes, I was seeing something completely different. Was it in my mind's eye or my actual eyes? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and it gets a bit freaky, doesn't it, when it when it gets to that? But no, that's it's really interesting. I'm glad we're bringing these things up because, like you say, Andy, you know, people, you know, in our world, all our experiences are very different, and there are similarities for sure, but there are a lot of differences, and I'm glad we can bring them out. And yeah, nobody nobody should be feeling weird about any of this stuff because it is part of of who we are but at the same time and i know this from my own experience trying to explain it to someone i remember trying to explain to someone once and i really felt like an idiot after i'd said it but then years later i realized that other people felt the same but i was trying to explain to a sighted person what it was like walking with a guide dog for me and i said it was like walking through treacle and when i said to this guy that i said you know what i mean and he's like i don't know what that means that makes no sense to me and I was just like, yeah. but, but in my head, what I'm trying to explain is it's I'm so unsure of my footing with a guide dog, at least yeah. in the training. I was talking about the training experience, not not having the dog. Um, and the fact he didn't get it kind of made me feel a little bit like, okay, right. I, don't, I, I can't yeah, explain I this mean, again, you know? Yeah. And then when, some, I, when I met some other people, people like that. Yeah, and that's, but that's the point, right? And then, you know, later in life, you say the same thing to somebody else who's gone through it and they go, totally get that. And it just yeah, kind of gives you that confidence again to go, yeah. I don't yeah, think you even have to meet someone who's gone through the same experience. Some people are more empathetic and some put mm. themselves. I mean, even though I've not gone through it, I can understand exactly what you mean by, you know, feels like you're walking through treacle because you're not lifting your feet and tentatively putting it down again. It, it's, okay, yeah. it's it's almost like you're walking, but you're holding yourself back all at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Because you're I've terrified done, of your next step. Exactly the same thing when I uh, I need to use a cane. Because I'm 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 feeling with my feet at that stage, mm. you know what I mean? I, it's anyway, yeah. <laughs> Do you know, for me in stairs, I I'm okay I, as long as the whole world is flat. I don't mean flat Earth. Don't get me on that. I'm not interested in that. Keep your flat, flat Earth nonsense. We all know it. A lot of rubbish. Um, but if if you William Shatner says it's round, and he, he would know. Um, so <laughs> I am terrible on stairs. I just cannot seem to get downstairs without looking like I am. I, I, almost, I almost what I want to do is get down on my hands and knees and just <laughs> crawl down them. Because <laughs> I just am so terrified. I would pay money to see that. <laughs> I'm going to spider it. I'm going to spider it down. Um, I'd have I, to I slide down on my bum. That's how I got to do it. 
<laughs> well, I could do that as well, actually. Just give me a tea tray and I'll just sit on that and do a bit of tobogganing <laughs> on the way down the stairs into the railway station. But no, I, I'm hopeless with stairs because I just I always think, I'm always trying to, this is the problem I found this, the, the trick was, although it doesn't really work either, is you've got to trust the cane and you've got to stop trying to see because that's where my mistakes always go. I always try and look. And if you're looking, you think you can see it, but you can't. And yeah. unfortunately, your, your brain's trying to tell you information that's just wrong. And I've, I've tripped more stairs than, than not. I've thankfully never fallen down them, but I have. I did once coming down the house stairs, I was answering the door, and I was coming down the steps and I missed the, the, the last step. So I was on the second step and I just put <laughs> yes. my foot out and went and I, I could just feel myself falling through the air. <laughs> yeah. And I landed on my foot perfectly. You know, Olympic judges would have been like 10 out of yeah. 10. Well um, yeah. Do you, know what, but, do you know what I do? Rather than falling down, I tend to try and keep walking up the stairs while I'm at the top. So I take another step. It's like, oh, fall forward onto the landing. Like, yes. Uh, I, I thought the stairs carried on. Well, that, well, what I, I, yeah, I tend to overextend, don't I? But I think we all do that. You kind of go up the stairs and you just keep walking until there's no more steps. <laughs> Even if there are no more steps, you're just pretending you're just like stamping your feet around, like, please God yeah. be the end. I remember we went, we went to view a house and um, the, it was one of those houses where you'd go up the stairs and then there was two more landings, two more sets of stairs either side. Yes. One to go up to a bedroom, one to go to a bathroom, whatever. And I just, I couldn't live in this house. I'd be dead within a week. You'd just find me at the bottom of these stairs, dead. I can't live in this. And corner stairs, don't even, oh, don't even go oh, there. Oh, yeah. Mm, yes. Well, we know this. Remember the, the carry-on with the hotel and The hotel, yeah. Where it, it goes round, but it's where they they all come from that central spot. So it's thin on one end yep. and really wide on the other end of the step. It's terrible. And you can't really get down any of that comfortably, you know? No. And it's so funny because our assistant Jane, who is brilliant, and thank God she was there, but um, it's so funny when people are telling you, there's another step, just be careful, there's another, like, just, just shut up, just shut yeah. up. I'll get <laughs> I this. i got to concentrate, yeah. I need to think. Um, I can talk to you, I can fall down the stairs, but I can't, you know, I can't do both. I can't do or both, maybe I, I can, can try. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I will try. Um, so Andy goes on to say, uh, and so on to dating. This is, of course, the the other point that Tracy brought up from her own experience. She, uh, Andy says, my blindness was very much played down when I was young and I wasn't encouraged to fully embrace it. Yeah, me too. Uh, so when it came to dating and romance, I was clear in my mind that a girlfriend had to be sighted. So they all were, including my wife of 16 years and my most recent relationship of nine years that ended four years ago. I met my last partner through a dating website and had one or two previous dalliances before her also as a result of online dating. I have to say the apps and the websites are very difficult to deal with when using a screen reader. When it comes to online dating, I've struggled long and hard about the disclosure of my blindness and have tried both ways of not sharing until we've got to know each other a bit via email and then via phone calls, as well as being right up front about it by including it in my dating profile. Including it in the profile never got any response. And I have concluded that delaying disclosure seems to be the best option. I think most sighted people have a very negative attitude to blindness, so I think it is better to let them see something of your personality first before declaring. The question of a blind or sighted partner is very interesting. As I have said, I was certain for a long time that I only wanted a sighted partner. Not because I needed rescuing or taking care of, but I've always been very capable and independent and have had periods of living on my own 
What I think I actually wanted from a relationship with a sighted person was the greater level of so-called normality slash acceptance that I would bring from the sighted world, as well as having the wider world opened up to me from having access to a pair of eyes that would enable me to have a greater range of experiences. So, in a nutshell, a sighted partner equaled greater inclusion. What I now recognise is that striving for so-called normality in the sighted world, I managed to deny my need for empathy and understanding that could never come from a sighted person in my view. When I was younger and the world was new and shiny, I would deny my emotional and psychological needs. Of course, the newness and shininess wears off everything. And then it's a case of what you do with what you're left with. So for the last four years, I've lived alone. I miss having a partner, but I've learned many things about myself from my life, and I now feel as much as having a partner with sight has definite benefits, a blind partner is more likely to get who you are and thus create deeper levels of intimacy and connectedness. It is great to have the opportunity to talk about this stuff and to have men to talk about it too. Best wishes from Andy in South Devon. Ooh. Mm, there's a lot in there, Andy. I, I can't disagree with anything Andy says. I think he's spot on and look I, I find a lot of people are slightly sensitive about talking about whether they want or their preference is for a sighted or visually impaired or blind partner honestly I don't think you should worry about that I honestly don't I think it's entirely up to you I think your partner is down to usually your situation be it work be it um, you know college uni that's where most of the time you meet your partner and in my case I met my partner at a blind college mm. so you know she had a visual impairment whereas that had nothing to do whether i chose her because of her sight or lack of so yeah but you're absolutely right i think there are some sighted partners out there that do totally get it though i i think you know it's not always a case that they they can never be in your shoes maybe not completely but i think a lot of the time they do understand and see your troubles as well um so I don't know. It is a tricky one, but I think, you know what, you, you choose your partner. Doesn't matter about their sight level, to be honest. You just choose well, who the, you Well, that's the dream, isn't it? That's the dream. That's the reality that we all want to live in, um, that we yeah. would fall in love with someone based on, on who they are as opposed to. But the problem is, is, is the, the issue is the other way around. So will they pay any attention to us? You know, as Andy says, he, he decided not to disclose in his bio yeah. that he's, he's, not, he's got vision because he wasn't getting any response. and, and that's, that's absolutely right. You will get no response, and that's a hard thing to accept, but I think it's absolutely true. But at the same time, I, I, I don't like hiding it. I don't think I could either hide it and say, well, get to know me first, and by the way, I'm, I'm blind. I don't think I could do that either. So it sounds like online dating wouldn't be a thing for me anyway. No. But um, I don't think I could go on and deny and not put it actually in my profile as, as you know, if I'm going to put, a, a, hey, I'm a 50-year-old uh, smoker or whatever, and if I'm not going to put blindness in part of the description of me, then uh, I feel like I'm being dishonest. You know, it's, it's interesting. I've been hearing a lot of people talk about this um, visual description thing at the moment going on. Um, you know, people, because uh, this was all because of Kamala Harris, who um, had sat, I think if I'm right in saying this, she was with a group of people representing disabled groups or disabled people. And she said to the room, you know, I'm a woman, my pronouns are, uh, and I'm wearing a blue suit. Good for her, I say. And it was funny because I read an article, which a lot of 
uh, disabled people seem to be panning at the moment. I, I read it. I don't know if many of these people who are panning it actually read it because um, I thought it was very interesting, actually. And, and you know, I'm I'm sorry, I'm of the view, and I'm, I'm sorry if this goes against uh, Twitter's values. Um, so. But I'm... <laughs> I'm for listening to all sides of a discussion, <laughs> not just one. Um, I don't want to hear about just what blind people think on something. I want to hear what sighted people think too, because if you think in any way we're going to solve the problems of our society by shutting people out, it's not going to happen. So all these people are complaining online saying, a blind person should have written the article in The Atlantic. Yeah, do you know what? I'm kind of glad the sighted person did because I thought it was very interesting. And one thing they talked about in it was that the way that the description was given kind of suggested that all blind people have sainted eyes in the sense of, you know, we're all we're only going to get the, the we're, we're just going to take information like that and that's enough for us. We'll just that's okay, fine, you're wearing a blue suit, great. But actually most people who do have vision, what do they use their vision for? Well they probably use it to judge other people. And they're not judging based on, you know, the blue suit. They're looking at other things. And of course race comes into it, sex comes into it, gender, all of that. You know, there's lots of areas and, and the information we put out there can have an impact on the, the the view people have of us. And it ties into this. If you tell people, you know, I'm a fat guy who, you know, smokes 50 a day, slight alcohol problem, um, and I generally smell of quavers, um, <laughs> then, you know, that's... Maybe it's my Tinder profile you're reading out there. But that would be true. Well, not for me, right? But if that in that case, that would be true, right? Yes. And if that's true then you're being honest and then that person knows what they're dealing with. But if you say I'm Brad Pitt and then it turns out you're more armpit, then that's not great either because you're you're not being honest. And Man, you know, once you I... find out that – this is where the online dating thing just, does, just doesn't do for me because thank God I'm married and happy because I could not be bothered with any of this crap. I, it's I incredibly like difficult really though, right? If you're looking for a relationship, then you haven't – you know, fallen into a relationship, as I said, you know, as you do after school anyway, in college, uni, or starting work maybe is where you usually meet your partner. Now, if you don't, and you're doing it later on in life, as a visually impaired person, ah, incredibly difficult. Social events are very difficult for me. And, you know, not being able to make eye contact, all that stuff, it's incredibly difficult to start a relationship when you're visually impaired. So, um, yeah, I, whatever works for you, I guess. Well, look, I want to follow this up because, um, and incident, I mean, we will get into this whole topic, I'm sure, at the weekend on um, the visual description thing because it seems to be a lot of people are talking about it. And if you do have a view on it, please do write in because I'd like to hear your take on this. Personally, I'm not, I'm not a fan of this whole description thing. Um, it doesn't do anything for me. I don't, I, don't I don't care either I, way. I, I, is where I come down. Color suit you're wearing, you know, or anything else. I know, I mean, but she, in her context, and she was in a situation with disabled people. Maybe she was having a conversation beforehand with these people to come out and say, "Hey, my pronouns are, and um, I'm wearing a blue." Suit. You know what? I don't care either way. I'm not going to say, "Oh, how dare you talk down to me?" Or I don't no, no, care listen, about I mean, that. If, she, if, if she's sitting there and she tells, I mean, she's the vice president in the United States. If she wants to talk to me at all, I'd be honoured. But you know, the, the fact is that it's. If if someone says that, I'm not going to criticise them for saying it. Exactly. You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say please don't do that. But what yeah. I would say is, I don't know if this is. I think there has to be a conversation between our community, between ourselves. I don't know, but there has to be a conversation. I think more broadly about whether or not this is actually something anybody really wants. Because I, I you know, can you imagine going around a meeting and every single person having to describe themselves? And the best laugh is, I I no. once did this for an event 
And I was told by the organizer that I got it wrong. I described myself wrong. And I'm saying, well, she, said, well, you? she said, you, you said your brown hair is gray hair. I said, well, first off, thanks. Um, and secondly, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right, because I can't see myself. Yeah, no, sorry. So how am I supposed to ridiculous. describe myself to you? Like so many of these things that people have outrage about, you know what? It starts off with a, a, a little nugget of common sense and, okay, that's fine. And then it goes to those extremes where you, everyone's got to describe. No, you don't. You don't have to. Well, the problem I'm is also, that what, what, actually, what people said, which I thought was kind of interesting, whether you agree or not, is, is another story. But um, they said the thing that Kamala Harris didn't do was, was make reference to the fact she was a black woman. Um. And yeah, well, the argument what, would be, why would it matter, right? But then the argument would be, what does it, why does it matter if you're wearing a blue dress or... Well, they seem I mean, to, did, I mean, did you uh, say uh, what designer dress it was, you know? Well, I mean, exactly. Does that matter? Was she Is wearing shoes? <laughs> was she wearing shoes? Was she, was she not wearing shoes? Was, but the, the, again, yeah. it's like, who cares? Tell me what does you're wearing. Matter? It's weird. It's the idea, I think, that, that we should be given equal information. But this is this is kind of the point that the Atlantic yeah. article was making, which is you're not getting equal information. That's the point. To get equal information, you need a lot more. Look, for example, and let's, let's be frank about this, if someone's overweight, and I, I think there's another side to this as well, which is people kind of being forced to say things about themselves they don't necessarily want to say. So let's say someone's overweight, like me, and I have to sit in a room and tell people that I'm a heavy set man, which is just another word for fat. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say that to people. That's just to me. That's just putting a negative on the table right away. Um, mm-hmm. It's not because you know, contrary again to popular belief in this new topsy turvy world we live in, being fat is not a great thing. Uh, it's not healthy, and I'm learning that, and I've learned that the hard way because I'm one of them. <laughs> I can speak as one. But doesn't because that, I am. doesn't that take us back to our previous um, discussion about? I see blindness as a negativity, as a negative. Sorry. You know, I, I I don't see it as a positive in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people say, no, you got to be to be proud of your disability. You got to be proud and see it as, as a positive. And I, yeah, I don't. Um, it's the same sort of thing, right? It it, it depends. I think, I think I two things, the world's I think just so strange. Now. It's crazy. Be, well, hang on. The two two things can be true at once. You you can have a negative view of blindness as a condition, and I think that's fair. But I think we can all agree that there can that that doesn't mean that life's over and that there can be good things that come out of it, right? I'm not saying I'm I'm not I'm never entirely sure if I like this idea because I remember being asked once, you know, do you think you'd ever do this job and, and do what you were doing if you were sighted? And I said, well, probably not, no. But that's not to say I wouldn't have been a success somewhere. Yeah, exactly. You know I, know, what I mean, I'm it's sorry. like well, I could have been a, a world champion, something else, or a, the best bus driver in the yes, East End of yes. Glasgow. I don't know. Um, but, you know, I could have done something. The idea that blindness made me this person, and if I wasn't blind, I'd have just been someone else. <laughs> you know, that's all it would be. I'd just be someone else, be different. Yeah, that's all. I totally agree. And, you know, it's not, again, it's this kind of idea that we all put ourselves in pedestals. And I just don't like that. Um, anyway, Tracy writes in because she we, we'd had asked Tracy to get back in touch to sort of tell us a bit more if she was willing to. Um, she says, there's a lot to write. Um, that I can tell you about from an accessibility point of view and also answer any questions. She said, I'd be happy to talk, but she said, I'm not particularly techie. Um, I'm using a Blind Shell Classic 2 at the moment. Hey, that's tech. That's good tech as well. Um, she says, or if you'd rather, maybe we email in and uh, maybe people email in and ask any questions. I'd be happy to ask, answer them in regards to her challenges. Um, 
She also says in my original email, I mentioned that I somehow visualize things, um, but I meant to ask more about it, as I believe Robin said he does the same. Uh, and I don't understand it at all. I've grown up in a visual family, went to a high school that was the only vision and was only visually impaired student there. And as I say, I had very little contact with the blind community. And I was wondering if Robin could help me out with that in regards to explaining what actually Andy's done in his email, which is explain, I guess, uh, what you're going through and what you're feeling, Tracy, and certainly, you know, recognizing that. So hopefully that's. Uh, Hopefully that's helpful, but do keep in Thank touch. Thank you, Andy. Yeah. Yeah, and, and do keep in touch, Tracy, because uh, we want to check in on you. Um, okay, let's get some voicemails in because we get lots of voicemails. Uh, so let me pull up. Um, this is, uh, I think this is going to be Peter who sent us in a message. Greetings to you all. It's Peter from Robin Hood County, hoping you're all well. Interested to hear you talking about old technology from the 1970s. That's not old. <laughs> <laughs> now, when I was a lad, we used to plug the electric shaver or the electric iron into the light bulb socket. You had oh. the odd spark now and again, but we didn't worry about little irritants like that. If you got a shock, you got curls. Why worry? <laughs> and we had a paraffin stove at the end of the passage as well. This is because I lived in the prefab, so we had... One living room with a coal fire in it, a very small kitchen, three bedrooms and a toilet and a flat roof. Very interesting living that was. All three, all three brothers and my parents squashed into this prefab. I used to get a magazine called Input and I used to be able to select programmes from there. They had them for the Spectrum, which is what I had, the Atari, the Commodore 64 and another one, I think. Uh, that was the modern technology that was for us. You know, you'd be able to get 120 gig. And we used to have fits over that. So joyous. It went so fast. And then when I started work, I began on a switchboard where you just flick the switches backwards and forwards. Then we graduated to ISDX. We had the fax machine, a telex machine, and the computer room took up a room about the size of a kitchen, I would say. So um, the 1970s were just beginning um, the modern era, and it's been interesting living through all the technology that has come. And I think now, if you go to Intel, I think you can get something called touchless computing where you can either move your computer uh well move around your computer monitor using gestures eye movements or facial recognition or voice so how technology's changed just a note of caution before i go tracy don't do it don't use a blind no not the blind dating site don't use a dating site if you go out and mix you might find somebody uh, that you could form a relationship. Please don't use a dating app. I don't think it's safe, and I think a lot of our listeners may agree with me. Take care, guys. Thank you for all the interesting show. Z, I should say. And um, let me rephrase that. Thank you for all the interesting shows, and um, we shall talk again soon. Take care from Peter in Robin Hood County. Ah, oh, thank you, Peter. Always good to hear from you. Uh, this is, of course, following on from our conversation 
with Rill, the fictitious town in Wales. It's not fictitious, it exists. No, it's fictitious, Sean. Okay. All right. No, it doesn't. I've been there. I've been to real. There's no way to know. So okay. there's no way of finding out at all. <laughs> if we, if there was a way, I would I, honestly, I would have done it. I'd have checked out. Um, Online yeah. dating again, though. It's interesting. Do you think it is at its core unsafe? <sighs> you know, I must admit, it's not something I think about. And maybe that's the, that. Maybe that's the man thing, right? We just tend to think. Well, that's okay, exactly whatever. right. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but I mean, you would have to take. But then again, I don't think it's. You know, it's not down to a. A visually impaired thing, right? If you're using a dating app, then you would always meet up somewhere public and tell someone else where you're going, who you're meeting. I mean, it's just common sense things anyway. Is it any more unsafe if you're visually impaired, though? I'm not entirely sure. But I think I do agree with Peter there. I think, you know, it's far better to take up something. If you, you know, take up some social activity and the chances of meeting someone through that rather than online dating, I think is far greater. And besides that, you're just getting out of the house and getting an activity as well. Yeah. Okay, let's get another voicemail. <sighs> this is uh, from Darren, who has called in on 0204-571-3354. Hi, this is Darren from Bexley again. Uh, just been listening to your episode about the uh, switch to digital landline. Um, I'm in a funny situation where I am because... I'll explain. I'm just over 50 years of age. I'm 51, and I live with my parents, who are older than me, obviously. But um, we have Vodafone Fiber in the back bedroom, the router, and we have a, a landline phone, one in the back bedroom, one on the landing, and one in the front room. Now, it's sounding like to me, if you're going to have to plug in um, a phone into the router, how would you get round having a couple of other landline phones in different locations. I don't know how these adapters would work. Would they connect wirelessly to the router, or is it possible to get around it somehow? Um, as far as because they would want that, I would imagine, when we switch over. I personally don't. I internally, physically groan and cringe every time the landline phones because Every time usually answer the phone, it's rubbish we get through. If yeah. I had my way, we wouldn't have the landline at all. Um, I'd be like, Sean, just have the line for data, but they would want the landline, I would have thought, when the time comes to switch over. Yeah, so, and also I've noticed when I use the mobile, the voice, the call quality is a lot better. When I have used landline phones, some of the call quality is awful. Uh, it could be down to the hands our hands are all at the other end you see but i'm all for it being digital but it's just a location thing i'm concerned about or wondering about but as i say if i had my way i wouldn't have a line line at all um i never use it i always use the mobile if i want to make a call it has so many advantages i use a blind shell classic too um i just thought i'd leave a message and just interested to see how this develops one other thing is you're talking about battery backup to routers. I don't know why they can't make routers as they're connected to the mains anyway. Why not put rechargeable batteries in routers as standard uh, moving forward? That would cure the problem. Then it would have power backup. I don't know why they don't do that. I suppose cost is a factor, but that would be one way around it. Just put a battery in the router. Design the router so they can have a battery. Um, this is all for now. So until next time, this is Darren saying bye for now and thank you. 
Bye. Thank you, Darren. Very interesting comment. And yeah, it comes back to that point about digital landlines versus the standard landlines. You know, it's funny because I, I got a connection into my house when they upgraded the area. They put in the fibre to the premises, I think that's what they call it. Yeah. And when I took that on, that was the gigabit network. And I decided, okay, I'm going to get that for what I'm doing. And I just, it was actually kind of midway through the lockdown, actually. They had it all installed. It was probably the only piece of work those guys could get on with because it was all outside. Yeah. And um, I remember getting it put in, and I said to them at the time, so what's the landline charge? And they said, oh, no, it's just a cost for the internet. If you want calls on it, if you want to have VoIP calls, then it'll cost extra. And I couldn't get my head around what that meant because at the time I'm thinking, well, hang on, doesn't isn't that landline? And But it wasn't. It was It was internet to the door on its own. So yeah, the landline thing, yeah. I guess it's probably built into the cost somewhere. Um, but you're not paying for a landline, or are you? I don't, I don't understand it, to be perfectly honest. I think you probably are paying for a line because you're paying for the line to get the internet in. Um, but you're not well, paying for call. You don't need it for calls, put it that way. It's still a transitional period we're in at the minute. So to our houses, there are separate lines. There is the fiber um, for the internet, but there is also still the actual telephone line going into most of the houses, right? Mm-hmm. So... You are literally paying for the um, the landline service as a separate line, uh, but that is changing. Um, I I totally agree with you, Darren. Absolutely no need. As I said, my landline is now gone because the only calls I ever got were scam calls. So absolutely <laughs> pointless. Yeah. Um, as for the extensions off it, well, I mean it's just like it was before. If you had a normal telephone socket, the main telephone socket into your house, then you used to run extension wires from that all over the house, didn't you? For other. Mm-hmm. Uh, station other telephones in other rooms yeah exactly right so i mean it would work just the same all the lines would run back to the back bedroom anyway but basically one would just plug into the adapter which would then plug into the back of the router so everything's work fine or of course you could go with the cordless route and have a set of three base stations and one of the ones would plug into the router but the other two handsets would just put plug into the mains in any room they don't need any telephone line to plug into um, they would work wirelessly off one. So, yeah, you should be fine, I would have thought. It'd be absolutely fine. You know, we've had so many issues with Wi-Fi in this house in the past few weeks and just decided to try something different. So I, I'm going to set it up today, possibly. Um, is these, uh, I, I bought these power line adapters. Yeah. And my intention is because, you know, the SkyQ system we've got, it relies on an internet. But what I didn't realize was it relies on its own mesh network, which it creates. So you put your connection into it and then it creates its own mesh network so all the little mini boxes around the house can pick up on that. Yeah, I didn't realize that. But no. the, the problem is that if your internet connection goes down at all, the box just gets completely confused as to what connection it's on. And it throws it just basically throws up an error and you can't connect to anything. So yeah. I thought, right, I'm getting sick of this. So I don't know if it's an issue I've got with the BT whole home, whole home Wi-Fi discs that I've got. Um, they're fairly old now. They're probably three years old. Uh, so I don't know if they're... Get rid. Just, yeah, get shot of it. You've got you've got the Eros uh, mesh system as well. I've got the Eros, you? yeah, I've got the Eros. But Eros, I haven't, sorry. I haven't, I haven't hooked them up yet. But um, I thought I'd try this first because I like the idea of it being wired. The question is, though, I think a lot of it is to do with... Because power lines are interesting because the power line adapters, the way it connects, obviously, it's through the mains of your house. But I think, if I'm right in saying, there can be different f- 
is it ring, ring fuses or fuse rings they call it? It's different, yeah, rings of the wiring actually in your house. Like the, the main wiring in my house isn't the same as the one that goes out to the garage and mm. feeds this shed that I'm in now. So a power line from the router in the house to this shed would work because they're different rings of wiring yeah, uh, for the electricity. And sometimes you have a ring of wiring downstairs and a separate ring of wiring upstairs. Um, that's less and less now. I think it should all work fine, to be honest. It, sh- it probably, it's worth a try anyway. Well, I mean, put it this way, if I plug in one side, I get connection, the other side I don't, then we know, right? But yeah, exactly. that's, that's what I'm going to, to test. But these are quite interesting. I've got the Volo uh, Magic 6, I think it's called. It's got Wi-Fi 6 built into it as well. So it creates its own mesh Wi-Fi network yeah. as well as using uh, or giving you the power line connection. So... I think that sounds quite good. That seems better, I think, yeah, in some ways. Sounds but good. It depends if it works or not. And, you know, well, we'll see. Um, I want to bring up Thomas's email. He says, um, Hi, Stephen. I found a way to watch and listen to two different shows with one TV setup. <gasps> You'll need to have a setup, a set top box, and a Fire TV stick or the equivalent. One person can use the Fire TV to watch the show of their choice. The other person can use the RCA outlets in the back of their cable box to plug in a headphone adapter. This can be a standard 3.5mm headphone plug or a Bluetooth transmitter. The box can be set to the channel of your choice. You will only be able to get audio. The other person will get both audio and video through the Fire TV or equivalent setup. Join your shows from Tom in Long Island, New York. Okay, I'm slightly confused by that one, I'll be honest with you. So you've got the TV, your Fire TV on person's watching it lovely 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 watching all the shows um you've got a set top box maybe a sky box or a cable box or whatever it might be at the oh, back right. of that you've okay. got the rcas you just put a connector in there yeah, and yeah you've yeah. got separate audio and you can watch what you want yeah they can watch what they want see i was thinking the fire tv or whatever uh thing was plugged into the set top box therefore you wouldn't no, be able to listen be to them idiotic separate. yes it would yes we're talking into the team okay fair enough <laughs> Did we talk about that though? Well, I'm just wondering, what's that in reference to? I think that... we were talking about Samsung TVs, and we were talking about the, the some of the. Uh, oh, yeah, I forget. We talk about so much. Stephen. I know we just, we, dart, we dart around <laughs> talking about so many things. Um, okay, I want to bring up another email here. Uh, this is uh, from Elliot, who writes in. Hi, just listening to your podcast on Sky Go for the Apple TV. Oh yes, that was our uh, that was our one last week. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a voiceover user and have been beta testing this app for the past couple of months. Oh, now oh, you tell us. You're in trouble. Very disappointing, like you say, that th- there is no AD on either live or catch-up content, and I fed this back at an early stage. The app is largely great in terms of accessibility, although I did have a few scrolling issues when searching for a program and going through series. I am also only getting stereo PCM and not Dolby Digital 5.1 on the app. Uh, Sky have been saying for a while now that AD is coming to catch up and on-demand content, but I see no evidence of this really. It was great that they launched voice guidance on SkyQ last year, but there have been no developments with this in over 12 months, with the schedule tab in the TV guide still not accessible, for example. Absolutely right. Yeah. Terrible. Thanks, Elliot. You're absolutely right. And, and you know, it's, it's so frustrating. I mean, I was showing my wife the, the Apple TV app with, with SkyGo, and she was just blown away at how accessible it was. Um, in comparison to, and you're right. I mean, there are certainly scrolling issues at the top. I mentioned the one at the top, which I think it must be like some kind of um, what do they call that carousel type thing, where it just shows you different yeah. programs. That didn't seem to be accessible. Um, everything else seemed to be okay. I was able to navigate around, like jumping in and out of series as well, and just picking an episode was great. Um, 
Honestly, if they add AD to that, that will be heaven. That will be absolute heaven. Because if you can get the AD on the live, I mean, okay, the live's one thing, but it's the on-demand content. That's what a lot of people are looking for. And also, can I just say, to all broadcasters out there, whoever you are, if you're putting a series up and you say, hey, do you want to binge watch the entire season now? It's just started on Sky 2. Well, could you put AD on all of them, please? Because I am sick of this. Yeah, you can go and binge watch the whole show, <laughs> but not if you're blind. Well, you can't on, on Sky, you can't anyway, right? Because there's no AD on there. You have to wait for the live version, which you yep. have to make sure you're recording. So don't miss episode one. And of course, the problem is they only usually advertise a show once it started being broadcast. So oftentimes yeah. you'll find a show and you go, oh, that's, that looked brilliant. I wanted to see that. But it's Tough. too late, it's gone. Um, now, the, the on-demand would fix that to some degree, but we've got to do two things. Make sure that the content is described all the way through, so every episode when it goes up. And secondly, for God's sakes, don't delete the AD. BBC do this all the time. You go into a show, it's got AD on it. Next week, it doesn't. Yeah. But the show's Madness. still there. Madness. Why? <laughs> well, because they can't afford to pay for the storage or bandwidth needed to stream. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm being sarcastic. In. Of course they can. It's absolute nonsense. No reason for it apart from poor planning and uh, ignorance. I'm going to say ignorance. It's Oof. it's it's actually worse than that, isn't it? Because it's 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 ignorance, but it's it's and ignorance is well, I don't, is it ignorance though? If it's deliberate, that's the, it's deliberately yeah, being taken away. Someone's actually taken the action to delete it. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I worked in broadcast for a long time. I know that there are systems in place where, when you, for example, you put certain features, like certain files in, the system will automatically have what's called a kill date. It'll automatically put that in. So in radio player systems, if you put a piece of audio into some of these high-end broadcast systems, it will put a kill date on it, meaning that it can't live there forever, meaning you're not going to have a hard drive just filling up and filling up and filling up with stuff. Yeah. So I can maybe see that kind of thing happening, but do you know what? Just take the kill date off. Solves the problem. Um but well, then the kill date for the audio should be the same as it is for the video. For the show, exactly. If the show's coming off, then yeah, absolutely. Off. We don't mind. <laughs> because obviously that's one thing today that, that is quite irritating about TV as well. It's often you're, you're chasing the description, but you're also chasing... I mean, like, so the... the it's not a film I think I'd watch, but we kind of wanted to watch it. It's quite a sad film, so we decided we wouldn't. It's called The Father. It stars Anthony Hopkins and um, Olivia Coleman. Um, and it was on Amazon Prime for a while, uh, it was on Sky for a while. I don't think it had AD on either of them. And then it showed up on Netflix with AD. Uh, okay, right. cool. Um, yeah. I still don't really want to watch it because it's a bit of a sad film. But at the same time, at least I've got the option now. Uh, but, you know, if that disappears from Netflix, if I do decide to watch it, I better hope whoever gets it next does have AD. I probably won't. And this yeah. is just not good enough. It really Madness. is not good enough in 2022. Madness. I'm so sick of it. I really am. It, it actually puts me off sometimes. It, you get to the stage where you go through all these shows and you think, this this film looks really good or really fancy. Does it have AD? No. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's it. I'm, I'm, man, I didn't watch Breaking Bad for, what, 10 years before it got AD? Absolutely despicable how we got left behind on that. The Walking Dead still. I mean, I think the season one may be audio described here and there. And maybe if you search around, you know, on the internet, you'll find some on-air audio described. No, but try and audio, watch it audio somewhere. Try and... I'm telling you, Audio Vault. And do you know what? People said, someone actually sent me a message the other day saying maybe we shouldn't talk about Audio Vault on the show. Do you know what? I hope the broadcasters find out about Audio Vault because what I want <gasps> them to understand no, is... Stop no, it. What I want, no, because what I want them to understand is 
This is the level we have to get to in order to get access to something which you should be providing access to, which we're paying for. I'm paying for the content. I don't care how you look at it. We're paying for it by having subscriptions to every bloody system. Uh, Disney, uh, Apple, this, that, the next thing. I'm paying for all these services. And all of a sudden I'm having to, to go off to a website you know, down dark alley no, no, to no. find the, the show it's I want to watch. It's ridiculous. Look, audio Vault is like Fight Club. First rule. Nobody talks about Audio Vault. Just trust me. I, I, saw a big, I saw a big thread on Facebook the other day about how great the Cero app is and how everyone loves it. I'm sorry. They're charging you for content that they're just recording off other streaming services. I don't... I, I, it blows that I don't my understand. mind. I don't understand that because that's what Audio Vault doesn't charge anything and neither it should. Yeah, um, Exactly. I mean, it's, it's an MP3 sharing site, really. That's what it is. Um, but, and you know, if, if anybody is listening and wants to know about it, just look, just look it up. And, you know, if, if it surprises you, if it shocks you, don't get annoyed about it. Think, well, what's the solution? Because I'll tell you, I'll tell you exactly the, the, the equivalent to this. Look at Spotify. Look at, um, well, Apple Music, Amazon Music, all of those streaming yep, services. Absolutely. Right? They were all born out of the fact that people were downloading music illegally. And the music industry said, well, we kind of got to stop this. And the way to stop it is make it possible for people to get the content in the way they want. And they did. Problem Mm -hmm. solved. Well, do that for us as well, if you don't mind. And we'll stop. As a blind community, we will shut down Audio Vault when we no longer need it. But we do need it because I am sick of having to chase TV shows. It is ridiculous. And, you know, the thing as well is, People say, well, you know, at least you get it in audio and it's an audio. Yeah, but sometimes you want to watch the video. Maybe you're watching it with friends and family. Maybe they want to watch the video. Yes. So you, you know, if, if I want to sit down and watch something with somebody, I can't enjoy it because it's not got AD. And oftentimes, I mean, a classic example is if you were to a house and someone says, you know, let's put on a film. You'll watch a film. Maybe you'll half enjoy it, but you'll end up having to come home and watch it again. Just yeah. to, I just understand what the hell no, was going on. I totally agree. I totally agree. Some films you can get away with it, and there's some films where you absolutely cannot get away with watching it without AD because it, you just totally lost, right? The one, the one that really got me was one film that I watched, which was, um, I can't remember the name of it. It was, it was basically one of these films where the whole thing was set on a computer screen and all the action took place between FaceTime calls and you know, uh, texts was it, and um, emails. Unfriend or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah, it was that kind of thing. It was those, there was a few of those at the time that came out. And um, the audio description on it was brilliant. You could not watch this movie without the AD. Of course not, no. But yeah. the funny thing about it was the last minute, clearly that's when the audio describer had gone to the bathroom. <laughs> and in the last <laughs> minute of the film, there was no description and there was a bit at the end which apparently was crucial to understanding the, the whole story and it wasn't read out wow and i'm like oh my that's God. incredible how can you miss that oh it was just a seeing ai did the reading for us on that <sighs> one but it was just so ridiculous but anyway there we go Mel, that got um, us annoyed well done us we got angry uh right let's talk about something much more interesting uh something does not get anybody under the hot under the collar that is cooking oh well clever uh, see uh well cooking now we we could have got the wrong end of the stick on this one right because we interviewed this guy from uh, this company called unicook and we kind of thought <laughs> we went into this with the mm. okay well this will make this will help us all cook better but yes. It turned out it wasn't that kind of we product. We assumed at the all. wrong thing. We thought it was some sort of new cooking gadget. It's nicely to and do, do with know, cooking. Assumption is making an ass of you. 
No, that's not right. You... Assume is the yeah. Assume I got the wrong word. It's okay. a, assume is an asset of you and me, not assumption, because that would be a whole other thing that I can't make figure it, um, out. Uh, yeah, whatever. I'll make it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'll make an ump out of a shun. There you go. Thank you, Sean. Shun. That's that almost the word. Um, yeah. So yeah, let's find out more about this because this is one of these kind of gadgets that. I have to be honest, at first I thought, you know, what's this all about? And then when I learned about it, I thought this is actually, this could be, this could save people's lives. Yes. I'm not uh, overplaying this, actually. Uh, let's hear the interview. My name's Guy, Guy Holland. Uh, the company is Unicook and we're based down in Kent. The product is is, a, is an Aeris StoveGuard. StoveGuard is generic technology for this for this sort of thing. And it prevents people having fires when they're cooking. Okay. So it's a very simple, uh, because we always talk about fire prevention. Mm. And fire prevention tends to be a fire extinguisher or a smoke alarm telling you you're going to get a fire. Well, this actually stops fires from starting. Mm. Okay. Simple as that. And it does so very early on. Uh, so it, albeit it doesn't affect normal cooking, if you're cooking safely, you wouldn't know it's there. And we have instances of that. Um, but if there's a problem, it will identify the problem and cut the power to the hob to make sure that you don't get a fire. Wow. Now, that you are quite nervous using a hob. Uh, you, yes, you that, I, yes so. I, I do not like using a hob. I, I've burnt myself so many times I've just given up on it. So how does this actually work? I'm trying to picture this. Yeah, well, this is a sort of, as, as I say, it, it was developed about this, this type of technology. It was developed about... Um, 15 years ago now. It's been in England for eight. Uh, and this particular is like second generation that has been here since 2018. Um, the first started off very, very simple. Temperature and the rising temperature, speed of rising temperature. Very, very simple. Um, however, they realised after a while that it was very limited in the way that it saw what it could see, as it were. And it it started to interfere with normal cooking. And that caused a lot of frustration. Mm. Uh, and so now, this is, uh, as opposed to a, a simple heat sensor, this is what we call a multi-sensor. So it, yes, it does measure. It measures heat or monitors heat and monitors the speed of rise of, of the temperature. Uh, smoke, steam, human presence, Oh. And also the current being drawn by the cooker or the hob. And it's only available, by the way, for electric hobs. Okay. So what it does is, is it communicates. There's two parts. There's the sensor that fits on the wall behind the hob, overlooking the hob effectively. Uh, there's the power control unit, the only other component, and that fits under or between uh, the, 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 uh, the hob and the uh, power output. So it's very simple. The, electric, the, elect the electrician comes along, cuts the wire between the power output and the hob, puts this box of tricks in, and that speaks wirelessly to the sensor. And if a dangerous situation occurs, it sends a, sen sends a, a message and simply cuts the power to the hob so you cannot have a fire. That's actually really good. I'm, I'm thinking about, for example, people that are older, um, people like with, me, are you looking at? Uh, no, 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 I wasn't, <laughs> yes. I wasn't picking at you. <laughs> but, but I am thinking okay. about people with, for example, very early onset dementia. We've Indeed. had many examples where people have this. 
that's that's an interesting uh, thought uh, or observation indeed. Yes, uh, dementia and Alzheimer's, uh, because there and, are. And we're talking people who you know are still at that level where they're still functioning. I yes. Mean, relatively okay, but they are becoming a bit more forgetful, and obviously things like this, things like a kuka, can be that can be very dangerous if you very, leave that on. Yeah, very, very much so. We had a case in point, actually, uh, a few years ago. We had a phone call from a lady whose mother was in a retirement village, so they had lots of sort of semi-detached bungalows. And the her mother had, had caused so many alarms, they disconnected the cooker. Wow. So Ooh. they had a choice. Meals delivered or full-time care? Anyway, the, it was, I think, Kent Fire Service put them on to us. And we installed one of these, a uh, stove guard. And, she, and I only found out quite recently, actually, she was there, remained independent for another two and a half years. That's amazing. Which, would, uh, to be honest, that astonished us. We would have said maybe a year, maybe 18 months. But it was two and a half years. She maintained her independence. Mm-hmm. It was great peace of mind for her family that she was independent and, and, and could cook safely. The management didn't have to worry about it. And, of course, there's the other issue of full-time care is expensive. Yeah. So it was a real win-win. And we've now got, uh, we've got these devices in, in extra care. Uh, I use that a familiar term with you. Yeah. yeah. Um, got them in extra care and, ret- and other retirement villages as well as in student accommodation, who are very good at having fires. Oh, that's a really good mm. point. Yeah. Um, yeah, because going past... For different your, reasons. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. I, I do it all yes. the time myself. There's so many times where I put something on and then go and something catches my, yeah, maybe a TV program or the radio or something, and I just totally forget about it. I mean, it isn't just a case of someone with cognitive issues. No, right? it's not. It, and and it's, a, it's the danger of... It, it, because, you know, of course, the fire, once it starts... What are we going to do in that moment? Well, that's something I wanted to pick up on, actually, because you did say, you know, before the fire starts, it's, mm. yes. it's stopped. So uh, how does that actually work? The sensor works so quickly right. that actually before any, you know, ignition starts, yes, it's it, able to it, see that happening. Yes, this is the complicated bit. Oh, good. As it Stephen, were. listen. Okay. Yes, the only trouble is it's me <laughs> explaining it, so we're not going to get too far. <laughs> but essentially, this was designed using AI, over many years of, oh, wow. uh, uh, of, 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 of effectively people cooking. And they use that to be able to, uh, and so the algorithms can then judge when the situation is likely to occur, a dangerous situation likely to occur that could cause a fire. And that is how it intervenes very, very early, but doesn't interfere with normal cooking. That's the trick, though, isn't it? Because if you're looking at something, maybe someone's flash frying something, you know, and yes. they need a Using high a heat. Yeah, exactly right. Yes. I mean, how do they determine that between something that's just suddenly on too high a heat and is about to catch fire? It's a combination of, uh, well, it's a combination of a, somebody being actually cooking there, being in, being in front uh, of the yeah, cooker. Presence, yeah, um, it is. The, the, it measures the current as well, and when you move a pan around on electric, that will vary the current being drawn. Oh, I didn't so know So it'll that. know there'll be somebody there, and the steam and the smoke, etc. And that's how it intervenes so early. That's good. So that's, that's my best explanation. That was very good. I, even I but, understood that, so but, that was great. But the other thing is about early intervention, which is absolutely key, because about half of domestic fires in the UK start in the kitchen. 
Yeah. And quite a significant percentage of those are from cooking. Some are from the toaster, some are from the microwave, but mm. most are from cooking. And of course, the biggest killer in any fire is smoke. Yeah. Um, the fire service say in certain circumstances, three breaths is enough to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. And this acts so early, it really doesn't get, uh, uh, very little toxic smoke is produced. That so it, it really is very, very efficacious, shall we say, in terms of the way it works. Now, I have a gas hob. Is there any plans to move this to gas as well? That's a, a, an interesting question that many people ask because there's a lot of gas hobs. There are some prototypes, but there are problems with gas. With, with gas. And the problems are that many gas cookers or hobs do not have a flame detection device. So to explain that, we'll start with this, this device here. If you, as my brother does regularly, go into the garden and forget that he's cooking and comes back in and the cooker has been turned off, he obviously needs to continue cooking. Yeah. To reconnect the cooker, it's a simple case of pressing the OK button on the sensor and you can continue cooking. So the electricity is restored to the cooker. Mm. Now, the, the new key button is on the device, right? There we so are. It's, yeah. it's, it's on the sensor that fits behind the, uh, behind the hob on the wall. Right. With gas, many cookers, uh, many fairly modern cookers do not have a flame detection device. And they are manual switches. So if, you, if, if the gas was cut by this technology, somebody came back into the kitchen and reset the reset the, the, the gas, gas could flow into the house. Mm. Yeah, right, I see okay. what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. And that is a problem that needs to be overcome in the technology. Now, I say there are some prototypes. There, there are two other issues here. Uh, one is that uh, there is a drive away from uh, gas because it's not very green. And, of course, we've got uh, Mr. Putin, who's uh, making it less desirable. Getting political guy, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the other reason I've almost forgotten is that the, with gas, you have to have a gas-safe engineer. And they have to turn off all the, all the, any gas appliance you've got in your house. They have to turn it off and check it. They then have to install this and then turn them back on and check them all again. So it's a very expensive option as well. So yeah. they're the three issues. So although, albeit we've had prototypes since about 2017, I honestly don't think they're going to progress. No. Okay. Um, so in regards to this, for hmm. those who have the electric hobs, what is this running at in terms of cost and in terms of installation? Installation, well, the cost, they are 300, a single unit is about 360 pounds, including VAT. Uh, gas, uh, sorry, a, uh, an electrician, it would take half an hour, half an hour to, for the first time he'd ever seen one, looking at the manual and putting this in, half an hour to 45 minutes. Whether on a single site, like a university, I was told the other day, uh, by an electrician at Brunel University, they've got it down to 10 minutes. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Wow. But it is, it is a very, very... I installed one in my kitchen. Uh, you, you should have a, an electrician, but I, I mm. wanted to see how easy it was. And I did it from scratch in, in half an hour. 
Right. I mean, you know, again, price doesn't seem too out of whack, right? Especially for the safety that it gives. Mm. Um, and I think that for someone who, and I think about my parents, for example, who are elderly, they are a bit more forgetful these days. Indeed. Having that knowledge, and I've been in the house many an occasion when, oh, something's burning, and then suddenly you yes. catching, you know, yeah. a pot that's bubbling away before it turns into yes. a fire. Something like this would solve that overnight. That, that, I, I think this is an incredible piece of tech to know about. It, it, is, it is good because it's not invasive. There, yeah. are, there are timers. Yeah. You know, people get, and, and it turns the time, it turns the cooker off after 10 minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour. Well, with a new induction hob from a, a cold frying pan on a on a on an induction hob with a tablespoon for oil, you can put it on boost. You'll have a fire in less than one minute and twenty seconds. Wow! Yeah. So having a timer that lasts ten minutes, yeah, is not going to solve the problem. Yeah. Well, it's just dumb, isn't it? Because it's not paying any attention to the actual situation, which the AI multi sensor will will do. Exactly. And there have been cases uh, where they've installed them in in old, old people's residences and. They've, they've, they, they haven't realised that it's turned off and the food is undercooked and they've eaten the food. Yeah. Mm. So there are these sort of, this, this is actually taking into account the prevailing circumstances and reacting. Um, so individually, if someone wants to buy this, mm -hmm. what do they do? They can go onto our website, which is unicook.co.uk. That's U-N-I. U-N-I-C-O-O-K. They can go to the shop and they can buy it online. Okay. Direct from us. We are the UK importer and distributor. We sell direct. Guy, thanks so much for coming in and telling us about it. Thank you for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Brilliant. Thank you. Very Thank much you. enjoyed. So there you go, Sean. We can save our lives with this gadget. And See, it's pretty cool. You say that, and as we say it, we sort of, sort of go in a bit tongue-in-cheek. But as we went through that interview, we both of us, you could feel it. Actually, this oh. is really... This yeah. is really good. This should be in every kitchen, in every kitchen that's installed in any every house. Every home in, in the land should have one. In every new build. This should be a regulation that this is in every house. And honestly, I do believe that. I think this is an amazing thing. Yes, we did get it wrong at the start. We thought it was some sort of, you know, blender or air fryer or something. <laughs> but uh, actually, a what blender. a fantastic idea. And uh, the, the guys were, were, were great. The company seems great as well. So fantastic. Yeah, it was really interesting to learn about that. So, um, yeah, that was at Site Village. We did that interview. Yes, we're still finding interviews. Wow. <laughs> still more. There's actually more <laughs> we haven't even got to yet. Honestly, we've we've got so much news and, and probably too many holidays in between as well. Yes. Um, but we are back this week. And, of course, we'll be back again tomorrow with more. Uh, so do stick around for that. And uh, just a reminder as well, keep your comments coming. If you'd like to get in touch with us, then please do. Uh, you can email hello at blindguytalkstech.com. Hello. hello. Uh, or you can call 0204 571 I missed and, that. And uh, we'll be back on the weekend edition this week. Yes, or Saturday edition, I should say. We'll be <gasps> back will we? on Saturday. Uh, maybe. Oh, no, it will be. Next week, uh, we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but certainly, certainly this week, for sure. <laughs> Check out last week's The Hijack. It's very, very good. That was very good, yes. Yes. I've, only, I've, well, I've clearly only heard half of it because when you told me a bit about it, I didn't. Apparently, we, we yeah, get shouted at or something? We, yeah, we got accused of shouting at Sally. So I'm going to bring that up with her next can, time can I, I see her. Well, the only reason I shout at Sally is just so I can, I can be heard. That's true. <laughs> 
absolutely amazing though check out our interview on Saturday it was fantastic yeah I need to listen to the rest of that uh, yeah catch that and all our episodes at blindguytalkstech.com we're back tomorrow thanks Sean thank you if you want even more blind guy in your life visit blindguytalkstech.com for previous episodes find us on your podcast apps or ask Lady A or Lady G to play Blind Guy Talks Tech Podcast on Apple Podcasts thanks for listening catch you tomorrow